I'm from Brooklyn. You just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time. You can hit it. He hits my hair. Episode 93 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace Podcast. <laughs> Live from New Jersey. <laughs> Live from New Jersey. Go figure, right? What is this? The, what are you doing? The Park Place Diner. It's like Park the Diner Place. Tour, bro. I do a lot of these in diners. Yeah. You know, your house, my house. Yeah, so I have this thing and we just do well, things. Jersey's the land of diners. So. That's, that's correct. Got a million diners out here, but I've never been to this diner. I've been here before and it's actually a very good diner. Which you know what? After yeah. I moved out of Brooklyn, I'm no longer a diner guy. You know? Well, it was used to be, you know, after the bar. And stuff, Flatbush Avenue yeah, was my stop for guys for diners. Yeah. Danny Shula, Biohazard, everybody. What's up? What's up? So, hey, what's the brought up Brooklyn? I didn't bring up Brooklyn. You did, since you're not a Brooklyn guy. That's the name. What do you mean? You said, since you're not a Brooklyn guy, you know what well, I'm Right, well, you brought since Brooklyn. I left Brooklyn, but. There you go. You know, when I, when I lived in Brooklyn, it was always, let's go to the arch. You know, the three o'clock in the morning. Well, you're, uh, a, you're a Canarsie guy, no? Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where can I see you from? The, the, I remember everything about it, which is weird. Like, my phone number and everything. 1468 East 93rd Street between L&M. Right around the corner from me. Right down the block 1451 from? East 94th Street between L&M. You might have knew my sister, Melissa. You went to PS 115? Yeah. You're my sister's age. You probably were in the same class together. Melissa? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed. I guaranteed. I got older brothers too. There was a million of us. Yeah. And my cousins, every, all my cousins, everybody were all within a four block radius. That whole neighborhood was like that. Yeah. So everybody knew the shoes. And that yeah. Yep. So great neighborhood. It w- used to be great neighborhood. Great neighborhood. Kids everywhere. It was the always best. best. The greatest. Yeah, man. Yeah. All my friends from that neighborhood, the ones that are still alive. Yeah. We still talk. You know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's amazing. My friend Tommy. You might know Tommy Mitchell. You might know Tommy. Tommy. He just plays drums. He doesn't do anything really, but but he's from Canarsie. Went to yeah, yeah. Junior High School. Yeah. I still talk to him. I know that kid's like the sixth grade. You know what I mean? But you know my neighbor. I think my neighbor guy. Guy presenting, you know him? Maybe. He said he knew. Possibly. It was a Facebook thing. It was a Facebook link. Yeah, I don't know. You, he was like, oh, you know that kid, Jimmy? I know that kid. Uh, yeah. My name is. He's on a corner for me. Okay. Yeah, nice. Knights of Columbus, you know, Grand Poobah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's on the Grand Poobah, the lodge. Uh, is he? The, the lodge. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, so 1468 East 93rd. Yeah. Went to PS 115 for elementary school. You did? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Me yeah. Too. yeah. Too. It was, uh, I was the kid that blew up the handball courts. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. I don't remember that. How, well, when the how old are you? I'm like, 49. Yeah, you're, you're my sister's age. I'm 43. Yeah, so six years difference. Yeah, yeah. But um, I uh, Mr. Mr. Tottenauer. Tottenauer. Yeah, that was the principal. Yeah. Didn't that bug down? You remember that? Yeah, I remember what I ate yesterday. But he, I remember that. He actually, when I moved to New Jersey, thank you, thank you. When I moved here to New Jersey, he lived around the corner from me. Really? How fucking crazy is that? Yeah. I was like a hundred years old. 
he, he definitely tapped out at this point. Oh, he's got to be by now. He's got to be gone. He was like 100 years old back then. Yeah. And I was in 115. Yeah, so I went from 115 to... Uh, 11? No, 276. Well, actually, what happened 276. Thank you. It was, um, we went from there, and then my parents separated. So I went from there to to Rockaway for a little while. He has one fourteen, but not the one in Brooklyn, the one in Queens. Yeah. And then from there I went I came back to Canarsie, went to PS two seventy six. Two seventy six, yeah. And then from there I went to Build the Junior High School. On Flatlands, yep. and then South Shore, and then we moved to Howard Beach, and we used to go to Bill's and we go to the Nosher, right? The Nosher, of course. You used to get the slush puppies. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my friend had a CD store over there when Zero. CDs first came out. Zero yeah, CD store. That was yeah. where I bought my first records ever. Really? Yes. I bought my first record at Blue Flame Alley on the corner of Avenue L and East 94th Street. There used yeah. to be a record store there where they probably you probably remember a bakery there. Where was this? <laughs> on the corner. Avenue L on East 94th Street. You know where the Canarsie Movie Theater was? Of course. Right around the corner from your house, right around the corner from my yes. house. On the corner of my corner, there were there was Reinhardt's Bakery. Next to the Dairy Queen? Next to the Dairy Queen was on the corner. There was a bakery I, there. I vaguely remember yeah, that. But that bake, I think it was a laundromat for a while. But okay. that used to be a record store called uh, Blue Flame Alley. I don't remember that. And that was where I bought my first record when I was a little kid. Yeah. My yeah. brother used to, my oldest brother used to bring home records from yeah. Yep. Ciro CD seller. Ciro. Ciro's an old friend. I haven't talked to Ciro in a while. But he's, he's in Jersey. Yeah, he's in Red Bank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I'm probably friends with him on Facebook and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I saw him not too long ago, a couple years ago. Yeah. And then, um, he ripped me off for an anthrax picture disc because he knew I was a huge fan back then. Oh, really? 60 bucks in 1988. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got me, bro. He had a whole crew that used to hang on that uh, place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to walk to Zigzags. I don't know. You remember Zigzags? Of course, bro. And even you, of course. I used to walk there from Kenosha. That's a track, bro. That's a fucking wrong with you, right? I used to go there and go to Titus Oaks because nowhere else to buy records. Where was going to buy records? You go to, you go to King's Plaza, you go to Sam Goody. I didn't like Sam Goody. They didn't have they didn't have the good imports and all the they did. picture discs and all the crap from they like, England that we wanted to buy. No, I got I got I got I got uh, abused by security in there because it was the first thing that I remember I ever stole and I got caught. Oh really? Testament the New Order on cassette. Uh, yeah, because that's when they still had the plastic. Remember like the plastic. <laughs> rack thing that, that would be around it was like the security thing yeah it was like a plastic I don't know case an alarm whatever. yeah a long plastic the alarm. yeah it was on an the alarm case. on the jewel yeah. case yeah. yeah so you would have to like go and make sure you didn't see a camera or a security guard yeah and you break it off and then I had it like in my waistline and I walked out and I got caught out there it's like a butt though what no, we're recording something oh I'm sorry it's okay it's alright it's alright oh, 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 no, no, say your name say hi hi Sylvia Boyer from Park Place Diner Hello, out there. Wow. See that? She's amazing, right? She's just bopping on in. Gorilla podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a kid, I was a good kid. I didn't steal anything, so I didn't get in trouble. Well, but, uh, and I got caught. But whatever. Zigzags was my spot when I was a real young kid. I went there. The first rock star I ever met in my life was at Zigzags. Who was it, Anthony Mio? No. I grew up with Mio. I know Mio my whole life. I know. He was no. I know Mio since I'm five years old. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was in my brother's kindergarten class. My older brother, Joe. Mio's older than me. Right. 
But um, he's in Florida. Last I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Florida. I think he's still in Florida. Who knows? But um, yeah. First rock star I ever met was Lemmy. Really? Yeah. First rock star I ever met. They were playing Lemoore's. I was about 12 years old, and me and my friends, my brother Rich and my my friend Nick Devitt, right, and a couple other guys walked to fucking Zigzag Records in 1982, and they were doing a, a, like a, like, a, like a an in-store. Nah. Yeah, it was uh, Lemmy, Fast Eddie Clark. No, Fast Eddie Clark wasn't there. It was when Fast Eddie Clark left, and they had what's his name playing guitar, the guy with the red hair, Irish dude. What the fuck? I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, Lemmy was the first rock star I ever met. Really? Yeah, zigzags. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, you know, I found out later that a young Louis Beto and really? Pete were there too. <laughs> the same day. They were there also. Yeah. Not even on the radar though. Yeah. Wow, that's hysterical. <laughs> Me and my brother were there the day Twisted Sisters record, um, their first record came out. The first one? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they were they were there. D. Snyder was there. They were signing autographs and shit. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that, that there's no mom and pop stores like that no more. It's a shame. I became disenchanted with the whole thing after once Biohazard started getting popular I hadn't been to zigzags in years like in a long time yeah. and I had this friend or a girl somebody I knew who lived like right over there on Avenue U right. so I, I was over there and I was like yo let's go into zigzags it's right here is it still there and they were like yeah yeah it's still there but the place is all fucked up and I walked in there and the guy behind the counter like immediately looked at me and he was like fuck you I don't want you in my store and Why? I was like what He's never been here my whole life. Who are you? Yeah. And he was like, nah, you guys are fucked up. You gotta leave my store. I'm gonna call the cops. Blah, blah, blah. I think maybe he thought I was somebody else. I don't know. But after that, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, really? Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, and then they moved nice. to Staten Island, and I went to the store in Staten Island a few times. And I don't know. It was just a weird thing. I don't know. I never did anything. I used to buy all my records. A little mistaken identity. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's no good. Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Kenossi. Kenossi was a shit back then. Remember him? We had all kinds of hoodlums. You know, it was funny. I was looking through, like, the bio has a page and, like, your Facebook stuff. I was creeping around looking for pictures to, to make for the flyers. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. And then I saw you had pictures up with, with Egg. Eggie? Eddie, yeah. yeah. Remember that band that he was in? City Grind? Yeah, of course. I yeah. grew up with Eggie. That's so funny. Yeah. It's a very small world we got going on. We still on, keep man. in touch, man. Yeah. Oh, I talk to him all the time. He yeah. lives, like, right around the block from, like, Ellen Bay. Yeah. He's in my neighborhood. Yeah. It's hysterical, dude. It's so, I'm like, that's Oh, is big. that where you live now? You live over there? I live in, I live in Bad Beach. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I work in Bay Ridge. Nice. But uh, I saw, I was like... It's Aggie yeah. And it's Danny Shula Like that's just weird I just never you know, yeah, my, my brother Rich Was a drummer Is a drummer also And he had a band With Aggie like, That was their thing They had a band together Okay And uh What the fuck Was the name of it I don't know I was never in any Of those bands With those guys What was your first band <laughs> My first band Was probably me Mick Devitt And a couple other Friends of ours And all we did Was play uh, Ramon songs Okay That was my first band. What was the name of it? We didn't have a name. Yeah, definitely. We didn't have a name. We really? just used to play in my grandmother's basement. Okay. Um, no, my first real band that actually played shows was called Crystal Tea. And they, were, they were like a cover band in Brooklyn of you know guys a little bit older than me, and uh, they were in, they were from Kenosi and they were like popular in Kenosi and uh, popular in Kenosi. <laughs> right. And, um, I was like 13 or 14, and my friend 
um, this kid George who lived over here in Mill Basin, over here uh, in Mill Basin, um, <laughs> I get it. became their guitar player. Okay. And he, me and him were friends, and he was like, "Bro, you got to join this band with me." And they kicked out the drummer, and I was like, "I'll try." You know, yeah. I was like 14, and uh, I went and played with them, and they were all like 24, you know, like older guys. And I was 14 years old. Yeah. And um, and I started rehearsing with them, and after a while, they were like, "Is like your parents gonna be okay with you like playing like Lamours and shit?" <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, it'll be fine, you know." <laughs> of course. And uh, yeah, and that was it. I joined their band and um, started playing shows with them. We actually played Lamours in 1984. Really. Yeah, we used to play like Ozzy songs and Van Halen songs, and they had a few original songs. Yeah, always a drummer. You were always a drummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I always wanted to be the drummer, but I always okay. played. I always played guitar and bass. I play every instrument, but right. drums was my shit. And right. I wanted. I was always connected to the drums. Okay. Yeah, that was my first real band, like the first band that I that like went out of town and played shows. Like, yeah. Played in Staten Island, played in Jersey, played in Long Island. Mm-hmm. You know, shit like that. It was it was cool You know I was uh, 14 years old And then like On a Wednesday night We played Deer Park Long Island It's pretty cool Two too. and a half hours away And then the next You know yeah. I get home at 6 in the morning And just like Jump in the shower And go straight back Straight to school That's awesome though. Yeah it was, it was pretty cool Yeah man you know? not, not, not many kids at 14 years old Is doing shit like yeah. that Yeah I was young Definitely yeah. young a Young buck a Young buck in Canarsie <laughs> Doing your thing Nice so how how did Lamores forget it? Lamores happened. Oh, you know, yeah, it was the greatest scene ever. Ever. Yep. Well, obviously, my first ever show was at Lamores. My first, yeah, all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anthrax at Lamores. Really? Yeah. They didn't go underneath Anthrax though. Satan's Lounge Band. I was there. Yeah, yeah. I was there. Satan's Lounge Band. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they have like a camel amps? For, yes, I, I believe, believe so. Camel, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was there. How do you remember that, Camel Amps? I remember a lot of weird shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing. My friends always fuck with me because they're always like, how do you remember? I'm like, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I think that whole show is up on YouTube now. Go figure. I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Everything's on fucking YouTube. Mm-hmm. I was telling somebody recently how uh, me and my friends were fucking schlepping along the Bowery one day. And, um... <laughs> We were walking past CBG and you remember towards the end they they had the record canteen, you know, the record yes. store. Yep. <clears throat> so our friend was one of the doormen at CBG's and he was at the record canteen and we're walking past, like going I don't know where we were going. We just walked there was no shows or anything. It was like a like a just random night. Right. Like not even nighttime. It was okay. like five in the afternoon. Okay. Walking past CBGB's and our friend Arthur's like, yo, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah. He's like, there's a band playing here today. And I was like, who? Who? In in CBGB's? And he's like, no, at the record store. And I was really? like, what? And I looked in and there was like a handful of people and they had like folding chairs set up. He was like, why don't you just come in? Hey, we need more people in here. There's nobody here. I was like, all right, why not? So we walk in, and they gave us for free, like, records, like, promotional records of the band. Right. And I look. Yeah, I'm good. You want anything else? Um, I'm okay for the time being. Okay. Thanks. Still working on yours? I'm still working on yours. I would love a coffee. Thank you. Um, they gave us these, like, flexi-disc records, promo records. Okay. And it was Guns N' Roses. No shit. And I was like... I know who this is. Yeah. I had their 45... Uh, they had 
had an EP, like a live EP. Yes. Uh-huh. And I had been in California the summer before that. Yeah. And all these kids in LA were all crazy about Guns N' Roses. They were like the band on the street out there. Yeah. So I had their EP. Yeah. So I knew who they were, and I thought the EP was really good. So I said to my friend, I was like, Guns N' Roses, I told you about these guys. They're yeah. playing here today? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. So we're like, fuck it, let's stay. So like we sit down. And they had like no stage in that place. Like it was like uh, the the record canteen had like a makeshift stage, like a little one foot thing with a metal bar around it. Yeah. And then two minutes later, like Axel Slash and Duff and all those guys, Izzy just sit down with acoustic guitars. Yeah. And there's like literally a handful of people there. There was nobody there. Yeah. And we just watched them do all those songs acoustically. Was that what wound up becoming that? Yes. That, uh, was it not Lies? I swear to God. Yeah. It was Lies. Yeah. Okay. And the one song from that that was like a big hit, they were writing it. They were writing it. I swear to God. He had like a clipboard in front of him, Axl Rose. Yeah. And one of the guys was like cueing him on the parts, and he was reading the words off a clipboard. Really? It was the fucking craziest thing. Anyway, so recently (laughs) I'm telling somebody. That's awesome. One of my friends here in Jersey, I'm like, bro, you have no idea the show's we used to see in New York we used to see all kinds of crazy shit yeah and for example and I tell him this crazy show that I saw and he's like bullshit that didn't happen I'm like bro it happened why would you lie about that I was there yeah and he's like that didn't happen there's no way I was like I'm telling you there was probably 30 people there and Guns N' Roses sat there I was a foot away from them watching like this and they had congas and fucking acoustic guitars and they did the whole thing for an hour and a half and, and it was amazing it was great and he's like bullshit so my other friend's like is, is like this grabs his phone he's like yo it's on YouTube bro and the fucking show is on YouTube of course like, it is holy shit how did they make it there I don't know I don't know anybody filming yeah. shit like that it's amazing what's on fucking YouTube yeah but anyway what, how the hell did we get to that just now I don't know bro you put a little sugar in your coffee I put a couple two tree packets the fuck is wrong with you a lot yeah I saw I, I saw I saw you. you I saw you as you talk. I see you eyeing my sugar. You're like, here's the sugar. It's half empty now. It is. You took this much an inch of sugar. Yes. That's a lot of sugar. It's good though. But that's the only thing I have sweet. I see you eyeing my sugar as you talk. I noticed that. Sugar is motherfucker. That's not even a big cup of coffee. It's not. (laughs) I I have no idea how we got onto that. No idea. I don't know either. But yeah, Lamores. Crazy show. Oh, no, Wars. Anthrax is up on YouTube. Anthrax show. is up on YouTube. That's what Everything's it is. on YouTube. Yeah. There's a dark match. My first, my first ever wrestling match, WWF match, when I was like a little kid. It was a dark match. It wasn't even on TV. It's on YouTube, the entire thing. Amazing. One camera. It's like, it's bugged out. 19, like October 1982 or something like that. It's wow. up there. Yeah, bugged out. The was an amazing place. It was. I saw, I didn't see my first shows there. But I saw a lot of great shows there. And uh, for a while, I lived down the block from the boys. I used to have an apartment on 62nd Street between 17th and 18th. Okay. So I was two blocks. I was a block away. I was yeah. like right off of 18th Avenue. Mm-hmm. So they make I, uniforms there now. What? They make uniforms. Where? At Lamar's. I thought it was a Russian dance club. And they used to be, not no more. Oh, it's not a club anymore? They make, like, industrial uniforms. Really? Like, for, like, service industry and really? stuff like that. Like, hospital scrubs and, like, chef's pants and shit, I think. So I know a couple years ago, 
some of the people that used to hang out at the club there, they did a little reunion and they went there. Yeah, Alex did. Alex Kane, I think. Yeah, a little I, more I saw pictures of it. It was like called Red Fang or something. Red, the Red Wolf, something. The Red Wolf. Yeah. But that no more? It says Red Wolf, but it's not that. Inside, it's a whole factory yeah. thing. What a shame. It makes me sad. Yeah. It also makes me sad that, like... How the limelight. Oh, yeah. The limelight was my favorite club ever, not just for yeah, music, just in fun. general. And it became like, it was like some kind of um, a fashion warehouse yeah. thing. And then, yeah. and then they broke it all up, and there's like a friggin', like an IHOP section in there. Like, really? There's an IHOP where the shampoo room used to be? Like, you have any idea what, what used to well, go on in there? You're room? eating in this place right now? <laughs> have your children near this place? Yeah, yeah. yeah. forget it. Yeah, that place is out of control. It was with my favorite club. Ever back in the day, ever. The best thing about Limelight was the typical New York weekend for me and my friends was like. I was there Sunday night. Sunday nights was my night. Well, that was church. the whole thing. Was you, you know, starting like Wednesday, uh-huh. you could go to like the Cat Club and go get drunk. Mm-hmm. Thursdays, you could go to Lamore's sometimes on a Thursday. Sure. But Thursdays, we used to just go out to the city, just go bum around like Lower East Side, right? Wherever the Aztec Pyramid, wherever. Wherever. We Friday was whatever show was in town right. at either Lamore's, Lamore East, the Ritz. Yeah. Or Roseland, wherever. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday was CBGB's. Sunday night was Limelight. Right. What a fucking week that was. It was unbelievable. We did that every. We week. were so we're, we're years. fortunate. Dude. We're so fortunate <laughs> to have to have had that. Like and it in was our like, primes and, and yeah. that was fucking crazy. Sorry, yeah. Was nah, crazy. But yeah, so crazy. That was such a crazy time. But Lemoore's was amazing, and living down the block from there was fucking incredible. Crawling distance, man. Yeah, I can um, just. I, I would, I could, I, you know, I'd walk to the club. I used, to, I remember sitting on my porch on my on my apartment, yeah, and seeing like Dave Mustaine walking past when Megadeth was playing there Great. to get pizza on it on 18th Avenue. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, don't go there. Just, just go to fucking Da Vinci's. Don't go to fucking the other uh-huh. JB. Yeah, yeah. Like, go to Da Vinci's. Trust me. See, a lot of people wouldn't even believe you about that shit. It's yeah. like, no, but that's really what it was, man. Yeah. It's like the scene at Lemoore's was just the greatest thing I ever saw. That was a fucking great. I mean, you know, CBGB's was amazing. Of course, the bands that came out of CBGB's. Yeah. But, you know, like, I was a kid in, in Brooklyn, so it was a different thing. And everybody had played there. I mean, yeah. this household, obviously, everybody knows that the Iron Maiden played there. Yeah, like, I don't know how many times. Overkill. Forget yeah, everybody. I saw everybody. Play. Metallica, Wasp, King. Diamond, Merciful Fate, like so Metallica there, crazy. I saw Wasp there, Wasp. I saw the Metallica the weekend with Metallica, Wasp, and Almond Saint. Almond Saint. That, that was amazing. It's nuts. Yeah, that was a great show. Um, so everybody, Iron Maiden. Yeah, I saw Cheap Trick there. I saw. Anybody, everybody, everybody played that. I saw Soundgarden open for the Black Crows. There it was the weirdest fuck. Yeah, you know? there was that that also that other tour it was what was it? Uh, Soundgarden, Voivod, and Faith No More. And Faith yeah. No yeah, More. I saw that there too. Yeah. So everybody played that. Everybody over the years. And living down the block from there, it was just like me and my girlfriend would be like, "You want to go to the city, or you want to just go down the block?" Uh, well, yeah, right down like, the block. Why go to the traffic? Get on a fucking train. Traffic. Oh, the train. The train yeah. from yeah, Lemoore's right. to Manhattan. Yeah. Like a fucking hike. You know? Yeah. I'm like, you want to sit on that fucking train for an hour and a half? No. No. Or you want to fucking just go and, and drink thirteen dollar beers? You want to go over here and just drink for free? Exactly. Yeah. You know, there ain't no fucking choice, man. Yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a good time. Yeah. 
So how did you how did you wind up wind up getting like hooked up with the bio? I'm good with this. Um, I might order something else. Order whatever you want. You might order now or you want to wait? No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna peruse the menu while we chat. Peruse. Um, so, since, this is, since this is an audio podcast, Danny keeps on staring at the waitress's gauged ears. Because he loves them. Me. The big ears bump. He loves them. He wants to stick his pinky in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love the waitress. I don't love the ears. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm like an old fuck when it comes to that shit. Yeah. What you do that to your ears for? Yeah. See, when I was a kid, I had the ear. That's what we were talking about before. I had earrings. And see, my older brother was a maniac, Joey. Okay. He, fucking crazy. But like, when the sex pistols came out uh-huh. he was like yeah this whole punk rock is fucking great and I was like what's so great about it yeah. he was like you know we put like spikes through our face and shit and I was like huh and like yeah I was a little kid you know, I was 8 years old and this is my older brother Okay. so he's like well, you know what we're gonna do today and I was like what and he's like we're gonna put clothespins through our face Okay. and I was like why and he <laughs> yeah. showed me a picture of like you know Sid Vicious with a safety pin through his face yeah. and we sat there and like <laughs> I lasted about 3 minutes I was like this hurts fuck this I was a kid I was like yeah. 8 years old my brother though sat there with an ice cube in his mouth hardcore until he got the fucking safety pin through and then he closed it and he was like, look, man, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, great. You're gonna co- Daddy's going to go and kick the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, now what? <laughs> he did it, though. Mania. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I had the earrings. I had a whole shitload of earrings. And I used to train at a boxing gym in Brooklyn years ago. And the first day I walked in there, I had all the earrings in. And, uh, not, not a good like move. Post- no, not a good move. No. And the guy's like, hey, uh, champ, you want to take the earrings out? You know? <laughs> nice. And I was like, no, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. My ponytail, my earrings. <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> Within like three seconds. Pow! Right in the ear. Like, I had to pull my ear away from my skull. like Because the backs of the ear stuck all, in your head? Yeah, that was the last time I ever wore earrings, I was like, fuck, I went home humiliated. Yeah. Blood and holes in the back of my head. Just took out all the earrings. My girlfriend's like, why'd you take your earrings out? Uh-huh. They got punched in the ear. Look at my ear, it's swollen. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, but I kept the nose ring. Okay. Yeah, I used to fucking train with the nose ring all the time. I used to be like, oh, you're gonna get your nose, you're gonna get caught in the lace in. Yeah, rip the nose away. <laughs> I kept the nose ring for a long time. Did it ever get cracked out of your face? No. No? No. It was a tiny little thing. You know? A little stud? Yeah. No, not a stud. A ring. Yeah, a little... Okay. I had a ring that the, the girl from the Jenna Torturers pierced my nose in the middle of a disgusting club somewhere oh, in Florida. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen them play by accident once. Really, really hygienic process of piercing oh, my dude. face. Bro, I... In the middle saw... of a club puke. Guy throwing up right in front of me and she's piercing my nose. I'm like, this is safe. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. There's no AIDS. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're men. <laughs> <laughs> there's no AIDS in right. the airborne AIDS. No, no AIDS. We're good. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Wait, you, yeah, you little, put a little booze on it. We're good. Clean. Put a little booze on there. Yeah, I seen them by accident at the limelight one night. Yeah, I, would yeah. go, I would go there. The Jenna Torturers. The Jenna Torturers. Yeah. I think they still play. Do they? She was, she was beautiful. Like that. Was she? I don't yeah. even remember. I just remember that they were animalistic. Yeah, they were crazy. She yeah. was scary. 
Yeah. She was like a scary girl. Yeah. I kind of, she had blonde hair. That's all I really remember. Yeah. She was like, you know, I'll pierce your dick. I'll pierce your dick. Bro, like, bro, like there was a guy up on like the stage at the line, like getting like his ball bag, like nailed to a piece of wood. Yeah. For like a goof. You know, I remember. I remember. For like a good time. There was a show at the limelight one time, and these idiots were like putting meat hooks through their chest and hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. You remember that? Of course. Yeah. And that became like a thing. That became a thing. Yeah. Oh, it's supposed to be all sorts of like tranquil when you're up in the air. No. It just around. hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just hurts. And I look like a retard. Yeah, you look like a retard. <laughs> what are you doing? Me yeah. hooks. Yeah, I was the, the back actually. Yeah, it was the. Yeah. I remember walking in. The guy's like coming down off the hooks, and I'm like, Yeah, why? He's like in his back. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, that takes balls. So I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm not hooking my back up and swinging it from the ceiling, no. man. I'm just what not doing that. No. I have other things better to do. Like yeah. that's what I'm I want to get up tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, get, <laughs> I get up early. You know. Coffee. I, yeah, I got to go to the gym. I, I got things I to got do. work. Yeah, I got to work. I, I, I go get, take the kids to school. It's just, it's not going to work. Yeah, go get my, like yeah, go get my back stapled shut because yeah. of what I wanted to do last night. What do you order? Oh, crap. I don't know. I don't know. Get something. I'm just looking at it. Well, 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 well. The soup was good, a little salty though, right? It was good though. Yeah. I'm a fan of the French onion soup. Yeah, I always love French onions. So. Yeah. We'll get something else though, so it so it doesn't feel like we're mooching that fucking yeah. that, 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 that diner spot. They yeah. always get good muffins. Yeah, I'm not a muffin guy. I'm not a muffin guy either. No? No, but look, they're cooling the muffins on there. They are, they are cooling them. So I bet they're probably you eat really muffins, good. you get a muffin ass. Yes, yes. I, I don't want a muffin ass. I don't want a muffin ass. I got half a muffin ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I go to the gym every day, so I don't have to have a muffin ass. Right. <laughs> Try to stay young. A little bit. A little bit. So now, how did you? Well, who did you meet first? I mean, I mean, you said. Well, you replaced Anthony Mayo. Yeah. How'd that all happen? Well, um, that's my first technically, technically my first question yeah. that I'm asking D. Lux. <laughs> well, I knew I grew up with Mio. I went to school with his sister Nikki. Okay. And Anthony lived two blocks away from me on 92nd Street. Right. I knew Mio. He went to school with my older brother, so we all knew each other for our whole lives. Um, you know, he's a Right. I knew Evan um, from when I was probably. 11 or 12 years old I met Evan Okay I knew Evan when I was young And I knew Bobby Hamill I knew Bobby I don't even know how I met Bobby I remember very di- I'll let you go But I remember distinctly Exactly how I met Bobby I'm sure you have a story for that. It's really not that crazy <laughs> But I was young Yeah Yeah I lived in Carnassia I was living on 78 Between Glenwood and Farragut Yeah I was going To build and see Junior High School Yeah My stepfather We had a big furnace downstairs We had a huge back room Where he got me a big Huge fish tank <laughs> So we went to Mark's Aquarium, Mark's Aquarium on Utica Avenue and yeah. wherever it was. And that's where you met Bobby Hamble. And that's where I met Bobby the Handball. He's downstairs. I remember he was the, I think he was like the first skinhead that I ever had an interaction with. I'm in there like a chubby kid with a mullet and an anthrax shirt on. Yeah. And I go downstairs and he's downstairs and I bought three iguanas. And Bobby said, but, but next he thing you know, up. he hooked me up with my three iguanas. And since I got iguanas, I didn't know who the hell knew that he had a thing for iguanas. Yeah, that was and thing. he was talking to me all about iguanas and stuff, and he told me that he had a Mojave rattlesnake. Yeah. I remember this like it was yesterday for some weird reason. Because I remember he had, like, a lot of... Ta- and I was younger, and at that time, you know, he had a lot of tattoos, <laughs> and he was, like, a bald-headed dude, and he had, like, a POWMIA shirt on. Yeah. So I remember that distinctly. And then... um 
I remember after that, it was probably like maybe a year later, two years, two years later, I was maybe 15, and I was drinking beers with him at the Crazy Country Club, and he was all upset because Spike the Iguana died, and he was he was drowning in sorrows, and me and him were drinking. Cheers. Rest in peace, Spike the Iguana. Yeah. Yes. And I reminded him, when you guys played Staten Island a few years back, the day yeah. before this is hardcore, that was the first time I seen Bobby face-to-face in forever. Yeah. And I was talking to him, like, this might, might sound stupid, but you sold me my favorite. He was like, get out of here. Like, no way. Like, he completely forgot that he even worked at Mark's Aquarium. Yeah. It's like, yeah, bro, you sold me my three Mark's first... Aquarium was on Ralph Avenue, wasn't it? Or Utica. 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 Uh, it was right by where Fat Vinny Tattoo used to yeah. be back in the day. That's why I got my first That's tattoo right. with Fat Vinny and Anthony Mia. It cost me a pack of Marlboro soft packs and ten dollars. I was in Fat Vinny's. What a deal! I was I was in Fat Vinny's dining room getting tattooed. No AIDS in there either. No AIDS. No, no AIDS. I'm sitting at his dining room table. His wife is cooking sauce, and and I'm getting tattooed at his table. (laughs) Me, Fat Vinny, and Anthony Mio. Yeah. I was like fourteen. You were raised right. Oh, of course I was. (laughs) But uh, I knew Bobby. I knew Bobby. Uh, I, I don't remember how I met Bobby. I just always knew him. Like me and my friends from Canarsie used to go to Flatlands, go out on Flatbush Avenue all the time, and wind up at Lenny and John's on Flatlands yeah. and Flatbush. And, but just go to like the bars everyone over else. There. Yeah, and oh, me we, too. We would run into Bobby and Chenna and Mike Kelly and uh, uh, Tommy Tanny. We ran into all those guys. Yeah. And I remember. I guess that's how I probably met Bobby. Mm-hmm. You know, but we knew each other when we were cool. Flatbush Avenue. There bars. was a lot of beef between Canarsie and Flatlands. At oh that time. God! Yeah, but uh, we were we were all cool, and um, and then I remember when when I uh, dropped out of high school, I had to go to this like uh, I went to Canarsie High School, but okay. they had this like makeup class for kids who dropped out too young. Okay, in South Shore. Of course. And my mother was like, if you want to stay in this house, you're going to go to that fucking class. You're going to get your fucking GED. Right. Period. Period. Or you're out. Right. And I was like 14. I was like, do something with yourself, kid. Yeah. So I had to go. So I went that summer to the retard class at South Shore. (laughs) And who's sitting next to me? Bobby Bobby the Hamble. Doing the same deal. Made the same deal with his parents. And the first day, he was like, yo. I was like, yo, what are you doing? He was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. He was there for five minutes and he left. I didn't see him again. Nice. That's yeah. hysterical. I took my GED and passed. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I always knew Bob. And uh, Billy, I didn't know. Billy, uh, I met Billy... Billy, uh, yeah, I never really seen Billy out and about because well, I used to walk around. From, he wasn't from New York; he was from uh, Plattsburgh. Okay, which is like way ten hours north. North, yes. And um, I met him at the uh, what's it called? The Pink Pussycat. You remember the Pink Pussycat in the village? The sex store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that thing still open? Can't be. I, I don't think. So. I don't know. Maybe it is. But he used to work there when he moved to New York. He, right. he worked there. Hi. How are you feeling? Uh, you got to order something. You want to order something? Like split something? Yeah, we'll split a little something nice. What do you want to whack? I don't know. I don't know. You're the health conscious guy. I'm no, I don't care. Sugar. I don't care. I don't care, so pick something. Get something split. The pressure is on. 
What can we order? I don't care. I eat anything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. What do you like? Definitely not shrimp for me. I'll no. do anything else. Yeah, they like the bugs of the ocean. Yeah, I don't want the shrimp. Chicken? Yeah, sure. All right. Chicken, Chicken quesadilla. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I met, I met, I remember meeting Billy at the uh, Pink Pussycat. I was with my friend Craig, and we were like bumming around the village. Me and my friends from Canarsie, that's what we used to do. We used to go to Greenwich Village and just walk around. Yeah. I did that too. I used to come out of school and buy whippets. Yeah. Yeah, go buy whippets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to do. So it's also, but yeah. Ray's fucking definitely. We used to do whippets at home. Me, me too. Yeah, my brother was like an expert yeah. at all those things. I don't know how he knew how to do all that, but he was like, yeah, we got this thing, we open it up. Yeah. It was a thing, you call it your thumb, and then... Yeah. And, and you're sucking balloons. Then he's like, hold it, hold it, hold it, let it out. And then you let it out, and you're like, what the fuck? And you go, you go yeah. You're like, what the fuck? And then you got to step it up a notch, because you can buy the cheap little whippet cracker, the plastic yellow one, or yeah. what I did, I saved up like my allowance, and I got the brass one. One that last long. Yeah, yeah. That was a high tech one. Yeah, you, you were cool. Yeah, that was good decisions. That was like the little. The, well, I don't know if we should talk about it in the podcast, but the, the little, the little cocaine vial. Okay, that had the dial in it. Yes, that picked up just enough for just a just quick enough hit for a little bump. And, and you wore it around your neck, like hey man. Yeah. Remember you used to roll spoons around yes. your neck? Of course. So fucking nerdy. Anyway, you used to buy those at the plum tree. The plum tree, yeah. Yeah. And the plum tree, I used to buy. Uh, <laughs> I used to buy that shit that um, they used to sell this shit in a little can. The rush screw off the yeah yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It was I remember. Called, what was it called? I don't it was called. We uh, called uh, Rush. No, yeah, I'm, it was Rush, but it it had a name. Oh, it was called Locker Room. It was called Locker Room. Really? Yeah, because the whole thing was you, you uncap it, you put it in your shitty smelling locker, and it's supposed to like make it smell good. Oh yeah. But in reality, you uncap it and you fucking huff it, and, and you huff it, and you. Huff it, and you <laughs> You retarded for the rest of your life? Yes. That's what happened. That's why we're all fucked up. Hey, yeah, go figure. That's hysterical. Curse so much. Curse too much. <laughs> anyway, so I met Billy at the Pink Pussy Cat. Me and my friends were bumming around the village, probably huffing locker room. Yes. And, uh, yeah, walked into the Pink Pussy Cat. Hey, let's look at the black dildos, you know? Yeah, yeah some and, uh, stupid kid. Yeah, and it's this skinheaded kid. Hey, man. Yeah. Well, and, the uh, Pink Pussy Cat is actually in the original Panic Attack video. Yeah. They yeah, well, he sure worked at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they made sure that was in there. Back then, of course. But, uh, yeah, that's how I met Billy. And, uh... I remember the Bad Brains played at that time with, um, what's his name, singing when HR left, when they first came through New York with Israel. Oh, the dude Chuck something or other? No, no, no. I saw him with Chuck, too. But no, when uh, with Israel. Israel. Yeah. Um, when the first time they played New York without HR was like that week. Really? And we were all at the show. And, uh, yeah. And me and Billy were talking. That was the first time I met Billy. Okay. But I used to see... Um, Biohazard all the time because when they first started, they were at my friend's studio on Clinton Road. Yeah, um, called Ace London. Joey Ace Bravo. London. Sure. You know Joe Bravo? I don't know, but I know Ace London, but I'm more familiar with Fast Lanes and Mikey Big Balls. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fast Lane, yeah. That was, yeah. That's what we went to next. Yeah. But at the beginning, we were at Joe Bravo's place, Ace London. And um, I used to be there all night long with Joey, right. sitting in the control room, just ordering pizza and fucking just being idiots. Because me, Joe Bravo, and my friend James Mangle had a band. Uh-huh. And it was like, Joe Bravo called me up. He was like, dude, I want to be like Slayer and like Cheap Trick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Is that what you want like, to do? Now? I was like, ah, I don't know. But Joe is such a great musician. Right. It's such a funny motherfucker, and he had the studio. 
Um, so we used to just go and jam, and he was writing all these crazy songs. Mm-hmm. He ended up forming a band called Big Bad Wolf that was kind of like I a, remember that a band. punk rock teeny bopper band. I remember and that they name. They got really though. popular at, at Lemoore's. They were really good. That's that. That's why yeah, I remember. Joe Bravo sure. was he was the best. Yeah, I still talk to him. He lives in Florida. We keep in touch on him. Okay. But, um, you know, I used to hang out at Joe's studio all night with Joe, you know, waiting to rehearse. And, you know, Biohazard had just started, like, pulling their rehearsals together. Yeah. And they were in there. And I used to sit there and listen to their rehearsal and, you know, talk to Bobby and, and Evan and, you know, watch their rehearsals. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I kind of like what they're doing, you know. But uh, I didn't really pay much attention. Right. I saw them a couple of times with, with Neo, but they only, they were, he was only in the band for a couple of months. Yeah. Know, so I, don't, I never, I never seen them with Mio live but when I started going and hanging out at Fastlane that's when Mio and the Tapeworm and TK and and, and Splatter was already Splatter. out he, he was already out and they had Scott Mecca and they created New York City Strength <laughs> yeah yeah I yeah. used to be I was in, in yeah. Fastlane's watching them rehearse all the time yeah that was a little later on that was Mio's yeah. other band yeah because yeah. their first demo came out in 90 so this was like 90 91 yeah I that's when I was in there I remember New York City Strength. Yeah, I have um, the demos. Yeah, I probably do. have it too. I still, I still keep in touch with Scott with with the tapeworm. Yeah, he's in Saipan. Really? He's in Saipan. He owns a bar in Saipan, dude. Oh shit! In Southeast Asia, wherever the fuck it is, by Guam. Yeah. It's called Godfather's Bar. He came. He oh, comes. He comes up every summer in July, and I saw him for the first time in twenty something years at This Is Hardcore when Doggy Dog and and, and uh, Leeway played the oh, Thursday pre-show last year. Yeah, I didn't go to. The pre-show. I went so the first I went, time uh, I saw the tapeworm in I went the decades. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. he's doing good. Shout out to Scott Dottino, wow. also known as the tapeworm. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's doing good. It's a small world, man. Yeah, it's a long crazy. time. But uh, yeah, Ace London. I used to watch Biohazard play. But uh, I was at a show on the Lower East Side one night with my girlfriend. Um, I don't know. We went to go see a show at some weird, like, off-the-wall place. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was... Uh, the Marquee? No, no. It was a small place, like the bank. Some place, like, out of the... Okay. Like, off the beaten pad somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't even remember who was playing. But I remember I was outside waiting to go inside the club. And uh, it was, like, like Avenue A. We were, like, off of Avenue A. And Evan showed up okay. And he was handing out You know Biohazard shit Like we always used to do Back in the day Yeah that And he was like Danny what are you doing bro And I was like Hey what are you doing He was like Yo Did I give you my demo yet And I was like No you didn't give it to me yet. And he was like Yeah listen to it Listen man Yo uh, We just got rid of Mio We had to kick him out of the band I was like Why what happened Yeah you know? And he's like Ah you know He's moving back to Florida Or whatever Blah 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 You wanted to work In the lumber yard And come off Yeah yeah <laughs> Come off the lumber That sucks well, he's like, listen, you know, I was thinking of you the other day. Why don't you come down and jam with us? And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you know, we're fast lane now on, on uh, Flatbush Avenue. Yeah. Come meet us in. I was like, all right, maybe I'll come down. So he called me the next day, and it was like a Tuesday night rehearsal coming up. So I borrowed a car. I didn't have a car. Anymore. And um, I listened to the demo a couple times. 
at that time I Well there was two demos Yeah this was um, The first first one Yeah With like Money for the unemployed Which I didn't like Coke All bitch. that much Right I liked half of that demo Right The other half of it I still don't love Right Like I loved America I loved Master Race I yeah. loved Victory Yeah But like Money for the unemployed Shit like that yeah. I wasn't into uh-huh. I still don't like it Right But there was a couple Of really good songs I Sure I like And um and I saw them live, and I remember watching them live, thinking some good riffs in there. You know, I like some of it. Yeah, you know? but I, I wasn't. It wasn't like I wasn't like oh, they, they weren't anything. Well, they weren't anything yet. Right. So I went down that Tuesday night, and they had a, a couple of new songs from a new demo they had just done. Infection like for life. Yeah. Infection approaching. Right. And I thought that was really good. And you weren't like, on that one. No. No, you you were on the first record. They had just did, done that. Okay. So I hadn't played drums in over a year. Blue blood on that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blue blood, scar for life. The little intro yeah. called "Infection." Wrong side of the tracks. Wrong yeah. side of the tracks. Okay. I hadn't played drums in at least a year. Like I was literally at that time. I was I was living in Bensonhurst and I had a little like radio set up in my room and I become completely fucking like fed up with every band that I was trying to be in. Right. Because I nobody was really into what I wanted to play. Right. You know what I mean? Like everybody wanted to do, you know, um, either like just straight up rock shit. Yeah. Or they wanted to just like bite carnivore or they wanted to bite something else and shit. I was it's just like I didn't want to do anything like that. Right. I wanted to do something different. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. What I wanted to do So I just started Writing songs And I was writing songs And recording them On my own But I hadn't played The drums In at least a year Right Aside from like Joe Bravo Calling me up And asking him Asking me to fill in For his band For a weekend I hadn't right. played drums In a year Right So I wasn't ready But Evan gives me The demo He's like Yo learn this shit Come down on Tuesday So I go down there On a Tuesday night And I didn't know I was auditioning For their band ah. You know I walked in And they had like Three or four other kids There playing drums And everybody's girl Friends and Big Rich, our manager was it, and I was like, I didn't. I was like a fucking audition. Bro. Yeah, fucking stupid. <laughs> anyway, you know they, they. I wait around for a while. They got some kid playing. I can hear them playing through the wall. I'm like, whatever. And uh, finally, I go in there and we just sat down and started playing. And it, it's funny. I remember the first moment, like the four of us actually played together, right. because it sounded like how Biohazard sounded. Really? Yeah. Like right off the bat, I was like, oh, it thank you. Good. Thank you. I was like, right off the bat, it sounded like a big mush, a big like. What was it? Do you, do you remember the first song that, that they tried? To, that they had you audition to play? Do you remember what song it was? I don't remember. No, I mean it was probably the first song on that demo, you know. But yeah, Scott for Life, probably something like that. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't really remember. I just remember the way it sounded. All right. I remember Bobby Hamble's guitar was right in my left ear, and it was so fucking loud. Mm-hmm. But I remember just thinking, it sounds so good. Yeah. And just like, Evan's bass was so loud. Just everything was just like a big mush of sound. And I was like, right off the bat, I thought it sounded really good. Right. It sounded very together. Right yeah. And I remember we played like a song or two. And Big Rich stopped us and he was like... You guys, that's it. We're done. You know, oh, yeah. We're not auditioning anybody else. And we sat there and we played for like another half hour or whatever. And then Billy was like, "Well, you know, we got a couple other drummers we got to go through, <laughs> you know." 
I was like, okay, well, you do that. <laughs> it was funny. When I left that night, they it, like like Billy gave me the old, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. So, oh, you know, yeah. I was like, Wait, yeah, okay. He was like Billy Professional back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. I was like, Billy Big Shot. <laughs> Billy Big right, Shot. Big Shot, no problem. They gave me a call. Anyway, so they called me like two days later. They're like, can you come back and play again? And um, Okay. And we just started rehearsing. And then they're like, we got a show with MOD or SOD or somebody at the Bayshore at the, uh, what's it called? What's that fucking place? Oh, the Sunday. It's the Sunday. Okay. They're like, can you do that show with us? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know? yeah. So we started rehearsing, you know, hardcore rehearsing, like three times a week, four times a week. Yeah. And, um... It started sounding really good. I started mm-hmm. getting really excited. But they hadn't told me I was in the band. Right. You know, what I found out later was that because I wasn't a skinhead and because I wasn't like a hard dude with tattoos and the whole thing, they were a little... Evan like, wasn't a skinhead either. No, he wasn't. Right. No. But, um, but they wanted a drummer who was like... Like that kind of guy Like a They wanted like a Will Sheffler Right You know They wanted like a hard motherfucker right. That wasn't me Right You know what I mean I, I was just a music guy Yeah Long shaggy hair Little uh-huh. chubby fucking nerd Yeah you know? I wasn't You know yeah. I wasn't like a hard dude Or anything right. So that was like The whole thing Why they didn't ask me To join the band right away Really Yeah so It was funny Because funny. they were telling me that And I was like I was like So you get What you want somebody With a look Is that what you you, that's, you want that's gimmicks? The gayest thing I ever heard. You want life. gimmicks? I was like, bro, if that's what you guys want, that ain't me. Right. I'm gonna be me. Right. I don't give a fuck about wearing a uniform. Right. You know, that ain't me. You guys do what you want. Then. Yeah. You know. And uh, then the next day, they were like, oh, no, we want you to play the show. Let's see what happens after the show. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so we played the show, and in my mind, I was like, whatever. I'm playing the show with them. But my friends were like, yo, you should join by the way. I said, that new demo's good. I was like, eh. See what happens. But we did the show. I had a good time at the show. The day after the show, Bobby Hamble calls me up. He goes, yo, I don't give a fuck what any of those guys say. You're the fucking guy in this band, bro. Big up. You're in. And I was like, thanks, Bob. And then that was it. After that, we just we went to work. Yeah. He got signed to Maze Records. Not right away, but what we really did was we went to work. We fucking... Uh, we used to... The thing about Biohazard, that Biohazard, in my opinion, lost after a while, was that Biohazard used to work really hard. Like, yeah. we used to go... We we rented the room at Mike's place. You know, I grabbed Mike at that Fastlane. Yeah. And I was like, Mike, look, what do we got to pay to have our own room? Because he had like a little office to the side he wasn't using. And I was like, yo, let us rent that room. Yeah. And we'll pay you every month, you know? Paid him $400 a month. We, we had our own room at Fastlane. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why we were always there. That's awesome. And we used to start at like... You know, whatever time we would start, we'd play all night, you know, and yeah. we'd be there five nights a week, six nights a week sometimes, playing till late at night. So we did a lot of work to become a good band, Yeah. you know. After a while, you know, years later, we didn't work that hard anymore. Well, when do you think that started to drop off after State of the World After, address? like, yeah, I would say so. I mean... The whole tour for State of the World Address was like, I don't, I don't want to put my shit in a fucking sour cream. Whatever. You're not a combiner. Uh, well, um, I'm just, I know, you're watching my moves. I see you looking well, at... Well, some people do that, you know? I like, don't care. Like, I'm not a combiner. I don't see, care. My, if you knew my wife, you'd understand. My wife is like, she didn't let the food... Like, she'd have a heart attack right here with this mess. Why? Because the food's touching. She's like, ah. Oh, yeah? I can't have the food touch. You know? Oh, see, I'm not like that. Th- this goes over here. This goes over here. I don't want it all mushed up. <laughs> 
He's um, naked? I'm gonna have to, but I'll call him back. Um, my mom. Okay. We can pause this. You know what? I'm gonna pause it. Alright. Pause. Danny has to make a call. And we're back. We're back. Where were we? Oh, we're talking about State of the World State of the World the Dress Tour. I think. That was a crazy stressful time for everybody. Why? Well, when we did the first album, which is, by the way, which is, which is, I'm going to say, within like heavy music, whether it's hardcore, metal, whatever, first Biohazard record for me, top five. Thank you. Top five. Everyone's always Urban Discipline. It's an incredible record. First one for me is top five. It's good. Yeah. It also has to do with time and place and you know what I mean? Like my age and all that, but yeah, top five. Yeah, for sure. No, I I get that. Um I like the first record. I love it. But I like Urban Discipline better. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Because the first record still had a couple songs that I hadn't written on it. Right. And uh, you know, songs from the demo that we redid. And although I thought they were great songs, there's a couple songs on there that just wasn't really a part of my Right, my thing, you know, like what? What wrong side of tracks? No, wrong side of tracks, is a great song. Yeah, um, I love that song. Uh, you know, shit like um, "There and Back." I love that song. I know everybody tells me, "Oh, I love that song." Bro, hanging out, dipping butts, lost my mind, smoking. Uh, great heavy. words, great words, That's great. But just like the whole. It gave everybody the idea we were the uh, straight edge band. Oh, really? I ain't no fucking straight edge. Right. You know, not that, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't my favorite song. Right. You know what I mean? I got to. Pain. You know, things like that. Like those songs. I don't know. <laughs> there was just a couple songs in there that. I mean, I, I love the record. Yeah. Overall. Great record. But I thought we should have put Master Race on there. Really? Yeah. Controversy. Yeah. But take the controversial, stupid part out. Yeah. Because people couldn't handle that. Right. And uh, do it the way we did it live. It was a phenomenal song. That was one of their best songs. I never, I never seen them do it live. I never seen you guys do it live. We should do it live. We did it for a while. So everybody's bugging out. Whatever. But, um... Urban Discipline, you know, we, we did that first record, and the first record came, came out and really didn't do shit. And immediately well, we went to Europe. Well, doesn't that have to do with Maze? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, they kind of dropped the ball on something that's yeah. a, like, pretty much a classic record. Nobody knew what we were. Yeah, it's really good. You want more drinks? I'm okay. I'll take another water, please. Thank you. You know what? I'll have a water, too. Thank you. He's going to put, like, five sugars in it. Um, <laughs> we uh, we went to Europe right away when that first record came out. Like Monkey Pup, our friends in Monkey Pup were, were going yes. to Europe and they were doing all their shit. Can you play with the Exploited over there? Uh, no. Well, we did, but we toured with the Exploited here in the U.S. That's what it was. That's what I was thinking. Okay, I was insane. I'm sure it was. But that whole year of touring on that first record was absolutely insane. Really, crazy shit. Thank you. Thank you. That was like us literally living in a van or a U-Haul 90% of the time. Playing fucking shows. I mean, me and Evan used to keep track on how long we would go without being able to take a shower. Uh, me, Evan, and Bobby. Because Billy would always find a shower somewhere. I don't know why it's so fucking clean. <coughs> me, Evan, and Bobby would be yeah, like, I would be like, yo, I would be 45, no showers. You know? Like, oh, God. It was crazy. 
It was disgusting, you know. We were like, I'm sure. I mean, we went a while with uh, sleeping and living in a U-Haul. We had a U-Haul that we rented and used to pay for every night on the road. And we had the equipment in the back of the U-Haul. And then the front part of the cargo area of the U-Haul, there's a little door to the cab up front. Uh-huh. So we keep that door open. Right behind that door, we set up, like, uh, we put the guitar cabinets in so the equipment wouldn't kill us. Yeah. And we bought fucking beach chairs, you know, that you could, like, lay back in. Uh-huh. And it was like, yo, beach chair with a pillow and your sleeping bag, and that's how we slept. Really? Yeah. Yo, you got to make it comfortable. It wasn't that yeah. bad. It wasn't bad. I mean... It wasn't awesome. It wasn't awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, you learn how to just wipe your balls every night after <laughs> yeah. the show with a towel. Yeah. And uh, you just move on to the next city. Mm-hmm. But, you got to get it? I don't have to get it. No, so you know what? Let me get it one second. Yeah. Phone calls from my kid who just got news that she has a snow day tomorrow, so she's excited. <laughs> Very nice. Listen, I look forward to that shit back in the day, too. Oh, yeah. Snow day's the best. Yeah. So where were we? All right, we were on. on? You know, it's it's unpaused. Okay. Um, But the the whole tour for the first record was long and hard. And the whole time we were, like, immediately dissatisfied with the first record. And we're thinking we need to do a much better record for the second record. And we had already... And the Roadrunner Records, though, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that happened. And, uh... The band started really blowing up in New York, so I'm doing big shows in New York, which was cool. Yeah. I think you guys would probably, I mean, off the top of my head, I've probably seen you guys the most out of any local band. I mean, for a while, I mean, it was you guys, and then for a while, it was Life of Agony was playing every other weekend. Yeah. So, but I think you guys and then Life of Agony were the two bands that I've seen the most. Well, at that time, yeah. At that time. Crazy. Yeah. But, um... I remember sitting down with Bobby Hamill and Bobby was like, yo, listen, we got to make the fucking most classic hard record ever <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for the second album. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yo, I got some ideas. You got to come over to my girlfriend's house. Let's write some songs. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And we used to go in the studio. And I don't know why Evan and Billy weren't there that much then. But me and Bobby would go in the studio, and that was like when me and Bobby really like became like a solid unit. Like we were close, right? You know, and but musically we just clicked. Yeah. I clicked with everybody. Like I knew Evan since I was a kid. Me and Evan used to jam when we were kids. But Billy, I, I didn't know at all when Biohazard started. But I got to know Billy, and we got along, you know, brothers right away. Yeah. But me and Bobby had this musical cl- connection. And we used to talk about it. And I remember the conversations we used to have before we did the Urban Discipline record. And it was all about, yo, the first record was okay. But we really got to make a classic record. We got to have that fucking record that's just like, from, from start to finish, just like, you know, a record that's just hard and fucking just kills everybody. Yeah. And that was like the goal. You know, pretty much you, you, you nailed that shit. And I mean, we just spent a lot of time at, at that time at Mike's studio. You know, Mikey Big Balls uh, Fast Lane. Uh-huh. Mike and, Ferrara. Uh, yeah. Ferrara, Ferraro. Ferrara. Mike Ferrara. But, but then when we came home from the tour from the first record, none of us had jobs anymore. All right. So. When we signed... Um, we probably didn't come home with any money either. No, we totally broke. <laughs> of course. But um, 
we each got, I remember it was like the beginning of the summer, and we were off, and like the whole thing was like, we got to write a new record, record a new record, we don't know what label it's going to be on yet. But we each got like 900 bucks. Okay. Like all four of us. You know, his 900 bucks each. All right. And I remember I was like, wow. Yeah. I don't got to work all summer now. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. And um, we rented Mike's room, and we just would go in every day at like 11 o'clock in the morning and play till like 8 o'clock at night. Every day. Every fucking day. And we worked really hard and started coming up with the songs for Urban Discipline together. And it didn't take us that long to come up with with the songs because we had already written like Shades of Grey and Punishment and wrote those on the road but the other songs on the record just came together pretty quick and then we really didn't know we didn't have a record deal with Roadrunner when we recorded over this one. oh no <laughs> the entire record was recorded and you didn't have a deal yet uh-uh. really we didn't know who was going to put it out we knew we were going to get a deal with somebody because there was a buzz sure. in New York and everybody was sniffing around. You know, yeah. major labels were sniffing around. Warner Brothers came around then. They wanted to sign us on that record. Really? But we were like, we need to do an independent record. We need to do something on our level first. Yeah. And that's how Roadrunner got involved. And then it was like a one record deal with Roadrunner, which the guy from Roadrunner never wanted to do. But he did it. And that was how it came together. I remember we finished Urban Discipline. The people from Roadrunner came down to the studio. We recorded it in the guy's house, Urban Discipline. We didn't do it in a normal studio. Really? Yeah. This guy's name is Morton Tears, the guy who uh, produced Urban Discipline. And uh, he was like an indie punk kind of producer guy. Yeah. Um, right before he did our record, he did uh, Meantime, Helmet. And he used to record okay. bands in his basement. He lived on what was it, East 22nd Street, 2nd Avenue, I think. Okay. He had a building. He was super in the building. So he took over the basement and made a studio in the basement. That's awesome. And that's where we recorded the record. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's good to be home, like, the whole time. Yeah. You know, making that album during the summer. And, um... Yeah, that was a great time making Urban Discipline. I'm sure. Time. It was fun. I'm sure. Because we were, like, so ready. Like, we had done the work before we went to the studio. We had all the songs. We were psyched. We wanted to give, you know, we wanted to make something that was hard and fucking new and fucking all 100% us. Yeah. You know? And that was pretty much what we did. It came together pretty good. Yeah. The record was good. The record was incredible. Yeah. And uh, the made video the punishment video. Yeah. Shades of Grey video, too, came out good. Yeah. True Stone. Yeah. Uh huh. True Stone's a character. Oh, of course he is. He Drew was on. Harris. Yeah. He was on the podcast. I had Drew on one solo, and I had Drew on with Michael Alago to promote the film that he did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I still didn't see that film. I gotta no? see it. Yeah. See it. I think it's still on Netflix. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta watch it. We went to the world premiere in the city and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Drew's definitely a character. Drew's a nutbag. He's absolutely a nutbag. But you gotta love when Drew. When he came around and I met Drew, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Get this fucking guy out of here. But, yeah, but this, I love Drew. Yeah, you, know? you can't not like Drew. <laughs> the thing about Drew was he started coming on the road with us. Right. And, um... He was like sober at the time, uh-huh. so he became like, "I'll drive the van." You know, <laughs> I'm not drinking. I'll drive the van. Yeah. So we all loved him because he drive the van. Yeah. And uh, me and him used to sit up front in the van and have these conversations for hours because mm-hmm. Drew could talk shit. Did he have long hair then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Every once in a while, he'll post up on Facebook like a really old picture of him singing at the limelight. He looks at the singer for Warrior Soul. Yeah. He had like hair like you did back in the yeah. day. I'm like, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah. it's just weird. I remember seeing him at um, a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl of Hardcore years ago. Uh, it was probably, I don't know, maybe the second one that they did. Okay. When Rest in Peace is played. All right, and, that's um, way back. Yeah. Yeah, and that had band. to have been the one, the first one of the first two or three. Yeah, yeah. But I remember I was there, and uh, I remember Drew's band came on, and I was anticipating, you know, like a bunch of skinheads or whatever. Right. And he came out, he was all rocked out. Uh huh. And everybody was throwing shit at him, and I was like, <laughs> oh man, yeah, not what I expected. Right. But, yeah, it was great. But uh-huh. Drew's great. Drew's energy, yeah. you know, and ideas for the whole thing really made. In Paris, yeah, from the Chromags, was a, a, a really like crucial to making those videos. Yeah, you know those two guys made that punishment video what it was because mm-hmm. they really pushed us. They had the ideas for all those scenes. Evan had a lot of input also. Walking Evan, across the Brooklyn Bridge is great. Didn't Blockhead yeah. jump off the top of the Brooklyn Bridge yeah. like a psycho? Yeah, I don't know whose idea the Brooklyn Bridge was. I think it was Paris or Drew. Okay. But I remember the day before we were shooting like all the interior shit we did. We did it in two days that day. Yeah. Drew, a Navy Yard or something like that. Where we, was that? We, well, that we were. Um, that was on North Sixth Street. Okay. In, uh, Greenpoint. Okay. Greenpoint. You know. Um, Can you give me that? Yeah, it was North North Sixth Street, Long Island fucking warehouse. Yeah, yeah, not far from the Navy Yard. Okay, Long Island City, right? Isn't that Long Island City over there? The Queens. Yeah, could be. Who knows? Whatever. It was like that part of Brooklyn that I never went to. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, yeah, it was just a good spot to do to do all that shit. Yeah, it was the only place we can get away with having everybody come down and make a lot of noise for a couple hours. Yeah, you know the outside shit. The day before we were in the studio all day, shooting all that inside shit with the lights and everything. My girlfriend was there. Yeah, and uh, everybody came down. Roger came down. Freddie was there, and um, everybody from every band who's in yeah. that shot. Saab was there. Kevin Bulldoze. Kev, yeah, yeah, everybody. We just invited everybody down. Like, yeah. we want everybody in this. Yeah. You know, that was a whole thing. A lot of that was Evan. Yeah. A lot of that was Evan. Evan was like, yo, we we got to, Evan and Bobby, they were like, we got to get everybody who's down in our videos. Right. And we got to get everybody who's down on shows with us. Right. That was like the whole thing. We were really into that back in the day, like, like putting other bands on and everything. Sure. And we wanted to do a lot more of that, but it didn't work out. In the video, yeah, I remember the day before we shot everything inside. Then the next day, it was just like, we're going to meet at North 6th Street at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're going to start shooting, and uh, we're going to figure out the rest of the day. All right. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I get there that morning, and we started doing all that shit on the inside. Everybody's dancing, going crazy. Yeah. That was a mess. Yeah, of course it was. But it was fun as hell. Of course. And uh, <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, Drew was like, we're going to go to the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, we got a three-hour window. We can run up there before it gets dark. Let's go do it. And I was like, I just, I, I, it wasn't like a decision. It was just like Drew and Paris were like, let's go. And well, let's go. And we yeah. just went. It was like a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, like summertime New York City. How the fuck are you going to close the bridge? Right. We just bum-rushed the bridge, man. We just, just met at Cabin Plaza over there. Yeah. And fucking ran up there with the shit and brought everybody up and just got on the walkway and yeah. just started shooting. And we just told people, yo, get out of here. Yeah. You can't come up here right now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
And with all you guys, a whole bunch of goons, people aren't gonna, yeah. you know. All these nerds on bikes and shit. Yeah. The bike shorts now. Yeah. Now go home. Yeah. Go back to Tillery's train. There you go. We're gonna be up here for a minute. Uh huh. Funny thing was, we actually stopped traffic on the bridge. Really? Yeah. But the cops couldn't get to us because the traffic was so dense. Like, the cop cars couldn't get up there. Nobody stopped us. We were up there for probably, I would say, from pro- like 3 o'clock in the afternoon to like 7 o'clock at night. Filming. Took over the bridge. Really? Fucking news helicopters over on top. Like, what the hell is going on in the fucking bridge? Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, it was funny, man. That's awesome. And nobody got in trouble. I just remember walking Do you imagine trying to do that now? Right. Right. Forget it. That never happened. Be in jail. Yeah, be in jail. That you know? rules. Yeah. That was all Drew. Drew in Paris. Yeah. Those guys, man. Harris, Harris is fucking. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how talented he is. Yeah. But he's great, man. He's a fucking great photographer, great in everything. Yeah. And Drew's just an idea guy. Energy. You see how he is? Of course. He's, he's still, he's still, still, he's, still he's like a pinball. Yeah. Bounces everywhere. He's still the same. He's always got something going on. Yeah. What was about, like, in the Shades of Grey video? You guys have the subway trains and some shit, the car, subway car. Billy has a blowtorch. Yeah, <laughs> we went fuck? to. Uh, that was Drew's. I think that was Drew's. Of course, we went to the uh, training uh, where they train firefighters. You know, where they have the building that they light on fire. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, we went there to go shoot the inside shit with all the fire and everything. Oh, all right. The torches. That's we all shot with the blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fucking funny. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. And then you guys shit. Yeah. And then after, after you like, obviously you guys toured like crazy, then you go into Yeah. Into making state of the world of Jurassic. Well that was, that was the thing, that's where we're getting to. The, the the tour for Urban Discipline, the record started taking off, got really big. And uh, we went to Europe and Europe it was insanity. We we booked a tour in Europe before the record came out. By the time we went to Europe, the entire tour was sold out where they were adding shows and moving the shows into bigger rooms. It was fucking insane. Yeah. And they, they, you know, put us on these big festivals all of a sudden. You know, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. It went from, like, such a small underground level yeah. in Europe to, like, such a big level so quickly. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then we come back to the States, and it was just, like, back to regular bullshit clubs, which was great. Yeah. But, uh, Small and intimate, but then you're playing Dynamo 95. Which, right? Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, but that tour for Urban Discipline, we were out for a long time. We didn't tour the States that much. We did. We did a tour, a full U.S. tour with Sick of It All. We did another U.S. tour during that time, like, on our own. Mm-hmm. But we were on the road for a long time. Everybody was pretty fucking burnt when we were done. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's when Warner Brothers was like, okay... We're going to make a major label record with you guys. We're going to dump half a million bucks into it. And, you know, we're going to make... You guys are going to be fucking huge. You guys are on the edge of something new. And we need you to make your best record. So we took that energy, that excitement of like, yo, that whole Urban Discipline thing was amazing. That was an incredible experience. The 15 months are on the road. It was fucking crazy. But there was nothing glamorous about it. We were still in the van. Yeah. We were still roughing it yeah. you know we weren't making any money um, and then it was just like we signed a deal with Warner Brothers and at that point everything changed all of a sudden it was just like you know everybody's getting a little bit of a salary every week right and all we had to do was focus on the band and um, 
it just got serious. You know, we were doing meetings in Manhattan, flying to L.A. and meeting people and interviewing producers for the record. And um, I had, you know, come up. I, I, they asked me, Who's, who do you want to have produce the record? And I said, Ed Stacy is my favorite guy. And uh, Ed had done all the early Ramones records. Okay. And he had done the Living Color record, the first Living Color record. Right. And uh, I, I met him and spoke to him. And I just loved the guy. He was an East Coast guy. Yeah. He was like a punk rock guy. He was a little a little crazy. Yeah. And I was like, this is a perfect guy for us to make a record. Yeah. You know? Kids school. Hold on. Pause. Okay. We, we did a song with Ed as a test to see how you do in the studio with a real producer. What song did you do? <clears throat> we did After Forever by Black Sabbath for uh, this record that uh, somebody we knew was doing a tribute record to Black Sabbath. Nativity in Black? Yeah. Okay. And I thought that came out great. The production yeah. on that was great. It was just next level. So we decided we were going to do a record with Ed. Ed got us a studio in L.A. We signed the deal with Warner Brothers. And then it was just like, you guys are going to move to L.A., live in L.A., record at that studio, and finish the record in 30 days. I hate right. to interrupt. I'm going to be leaving. Okay. Uh, can you give me a check? Oh, that's okay. Sylvia is still going to be here, so she's got your check now, and you can stay as long as you want. Awesome. Thank okay? you. You're welcome. Don't worry about it. I got it. Pay your money away. Well, no. Pay your money away. I just want her to get a tip before she She'll get a tip. I'll put it right on the bill. All right, good. Be a tip right there. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so what were we saying? Yeah, so we went to L.A. Okay. We moved to L.A. We lived there for three months, two months, and made the record there. That uh, stayed in one of the restaurants. That was a strong time for the band. It was good. Yeah. The tour for that was really long. Like, I remember... We left in the uh, first week of January, moved to L.A., and it was like 1994. <clears throat> we came home, I think, in the end of March for like a week. Shot the Tales from the Hard Side video, and then went right on the road with like Fishbone and Kyle's. <laughs> okay. That tour ended, and we went on the road in Europe, and that was when we did Dynamo 95. Right. And the record had just come out. And the record was like sold like forty thousand copies in the first two weeks. It was like crazy over there, and it just blew up to a level that was so incomprehensible for me, yeah. for all of us. Yeah, and we were psyched. We were like, "You fucking should be." Absolutely. We were like, "This is crazy." But you guys you know, broke your ass for years, man. We so. did. This is after several years. You yeah, know? we didn't make money as a band. We weren't like getting paid by the band until nineteen ninety five. Right. Really. So. So, I mean, from 1989 to 1995, five, six years, we, we had nothing. We made nothing. You know? yeah. We not, made 900 bucks. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the tour for State of the World's Dress was really long. I, we didn't come home. Like, the tour started in, like, March of 94. We didn't come home till October of 96. Uh, wow. No, wow. I'm wrong. October of 95. Five. Okay. Yeah. So that's like a year and a half. Yeah. It's like 17 months of non-stop touring. That's fucking crazy. Like, in that time, we did, you know, a headlining tour in Europe, a festival tour in Europe. We did a U.S. tour with Fishbone and Kyle's. Then we came back. We did the U.S. again with Pantera and Sepultura. And then we went back to Europe, did another tour in Europe with, I don't even remember, Doggy Dog, Downset. 
came back to the U.S., did United States, Australia, New Zealand, opening for Slayer for, for three months. Came home from that, went back to Europe again, did a full headlining festival tour. Summer of 95. I mean, it was just... It was so much fucking... I remember just looking at the list of shows. Yeah. And just... And we were in a tour bus finally at that time. We didn't have a tour bus for the first record. For, we never had a tour bus. Right. No. We had a tour bus for the State of the World Address, the whole cycle. And I remember being in my bunk, thinking that was the greatest thing in the world, having a bunk. Sure. But I had the list of all the shows coming up right on the top of my bunk. And every night before I go to bed, I would look at it and be like, where are we tomorrow? Where are we next week? Where are we on my girlfriend's birthday? Where are we on my mom's birthday? Where, you know, yeah. I would just look and it was just like the whole, it just kept getting longer and longer. Like every day, shit would be faxed to the backstage and be like, yo, we got another 30 shows coming up. Ooh, well, we got another 15 shows. You guys want to do these shows with, you know, with dancing? You guys want to go out and do these shows with fucking sick of it all? You guys want to go do these? It was just like one thing after another. We couldn't say no to anything. Right. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Just keep going. Keep going. Might as well. So, needless to say, though, that tour beat the fuck out of all of us. Yeah. And it was just like, it was really rough. You know, it was really rough. There was, you know, there was a lot of drinking, a lot of crazy partying, a lot of insanity. Uh-huh. And it just got hard. It got stressful. And, you know, sure enough, when that tour ended, was when everything blew up with Bobby. You know? We, we went back in the studio, tried to get it together to do the, the next record for Warner Brothers after that. And it was like, we were only home for like a month. You know, after all that touring. And Warner Brothers already was like, okay, we need you guys back in the studio. And it's just like, we need a little time off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can't really take time off when, you know, when everybody's kind of making plans. Can't really take time off. All right. So it was just it was the wrong decision to try to get back in the studio and get back to work right away. We should have taken the time to just let everybody just fall apart and come back together. Yeah. But we didn't. And uh, you know. So you jumped right into the studio to make Makala. Makala. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And that's when you know shit just blew up and Bobby ended up leaving. And, you know, it was just like, what do we do now? Yeah. I quit. I quit. You quit? I did. I quit. But you're on every record, no? Every record, yeah. You are on every record. But, but I did. I quit when that happened. Like, the only thing that's changed was, was the guitar. was the guitar. Yeah. Like, not Bobby. I mean, not yeah. Billy, but... Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I quit for like three weeks. I was like, I'm hot. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. What were you going to do? I don't know. Something. Do something. Make muffins. Yeah. <laughs> going to do something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we ended up regrouping and going and making that record just as, just the three of us. Yeah. Because I was like, we can't replace Bobby Hamill. Yeah. No, we're going to get some other jerk off in here to right. do that. Right. Can't do that. There's a, there's a presence with Bobby. Yeah, yeah. So the three of us went to the studio, made a record, and it's a fucking weird lopsided record. It's a very weird mind. record. And, uh, you know, but we had to do it and get it done. And, and, I mean, at the time, we were all just immersed in a crazy time. That was what, that was what we came up with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then the tour for that was another year and a half. Jesus Christ. You know? Just, we toured so much. It was fucking insane. And that's when you felt like kind of things started falling off a little bit? Yeah, you know, the energy in the band changed after Bobby left, you know. We put out several records after that, though. Yeah, yeah, we did a couple records after that. But yeah, just the energy was different without Bobby. Yeah. yeah. You know, we all realized it was like, 
you know how important he was to the band. You know, it's just like he's an important part of the band. Sure, you know, and not just musically, but like just the attitude of the band. Just, yeah, you know where we came from, or what we were. That's the thing about Biovan, you know. It's like there was always an attitude attached to what we did, and like when Evan left, yeah, you know when we got back together in 2008, the four of us, me, Billy, Bobby, and Evan, you know it was different. When we and got you made back what? Reborn in Defiance. No, I hate that record. Yeah. You hate yes, it? I hate it. I hate it. Why? Because we were fighting the whole time. We were making it, you right. know, because that whole thing was just compromised, and you can't do anything good when you compromise. All right. You Why? Know, who are you compromising with? With each other, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, you know, making that record to go into different. Yeah. Making that record was like, what year was that? That was like 2010, 2011. You know, you're dealing with a bunch of 40 year old guys, right? Who've been on the road for 20 years, right? Who made a lot of records already. Yeah. All know each other really well. Yeah. And everybody's got their own idea of what they want to do. Yeah. And there's one guy wants to make a fucking rock and roll record. Who wanted to do that? Well, one of the singers. <laughs> I don't want to mention names. I think we got to figure it out. Evan? And he just wanted to make a rock and roll record, you know? But that's not biohacking. No. And, you know, there was me who I kind of wanted to just go back to our original way of thinking, which was like, I get, we got to make a hard record that moves the audience. Well, yeah. That that's like that's where my head was at. Yeah, what are you gonna do? You're gonna play uh, punishment and and retribution and then play some rock song from a new record? Like no, no it doesn't work. No, and you know, I'm, I I don't really remember where where Billy and Bobby's heads were at, but I remember me and Evan clashing a lot about the songs and what direction the band was going to go. And he was just like, I don't want to do shit like that. I don't want to jump up and down and scream and yell and all that. And I was like, I do. You know? Yeah. Uh, so everybody was on the same page except for Evan, obviously. Well, no, not really. It was yeah. kind of like, everybody was kind of like, well, you know, let's, maybe we could do something different and try something different. And, you know, I was, when we were making that record, I was like, I'm down to try something different. You know? But... You know, we gotta we gotta stick to basics here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We gotta, gotta, we gotta stick with what we're good at and what we love. Right. You know? Because that's what we're gonna do good. And I was just like, I ain't, I'm not loving this shit. Right. And I'm I'm to blame as much as anybody else for that record being a shitty record. Because I wrote some of those songs too. Right. And allowed them to be compromised and turned into something that I didn't like in the end. I don't think it's a shitty record. I don't think it's a shitty record. But you personally, me, obviously, it's a different deal, obviously. I'm glad we did that record because I learned a personal lesson out of all of that, which was I'm never compromising the way when I feel strongly about art, mm -hmm. about, about something like that. I'll never compromise again because that I mean I, I'll, I'll negotiate I'm you know I'm into I need other people's input yeah. you know but to just try to appease somebody who wants to do something that doesn't make sense no that never works no that just everybody loses yeah and that's how I feel about that record you yeah. know I, there's some good great moments on that record and it was a great experience of doing that record yeah. like we were all getting along still and uh, Toby Wright was a great guy to work with he produced the record right and we were out in LA again which was great but um 
the experience was good. But yeah. the record itself, in the end, just I was unsatisfied with the record. Yeah. Disappointed yeah. when it was done. What do you feel about the other the other records? I mean, what else? You have Killer Be Killed. I liked Killer Be Killed. Uncivilization. Killer Be Killed was for me yeah. one of my favorite records because I just wanted it to be a hard record. It's a hard record. Fuck everybody. I just wanted a record that was like fuck what anybody thinks. Yeah. You know, we just went through 9-11, yeah. you know, in New York, and we were all fucked up. Everybody was fucked up. Everybody lost friends. Everybody yeah. lost family members. Somebody, everyone knows thing. somebody that exactly. was there. And it was just like, fuck everybody. I want to make the angriest record we got. Yeah. I want to make the hardest shit we got. Yeah. And we kind of did. We made a, a very hard record at Kill Be Kill. I like that record. Yeah, I do too. You know, a couple songs in there that are like, eh, but overall, it's a good record. Yeah. It's one of the few ones I can still listen to. Really? Yeah. I don't listen to Biohazard, but when it comes up on my iPod, like like that one, if that comes up, I'll leave it on. I'll listen to it. Yeah. You know, like this morning in the gym, one of the songs came on and I was like, oh. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. But Kill Be Kill, I thought was a good record. Yeah. So but I, when it came out, I think it was a little too much. You know, I think a lot of people were like, fuck, you guys sound crazy. On this yeah. Record. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's a little angry. Crazy yeah. world we're in. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But, you know, I like that record. I thought Means to an End had some moments on it that were pretty good. Yeah. There's another record we did with Scott Roberts. Scott yeah. was great. Um... I thought the new record that we were going to make was going to be phenomenal with Scott when everything fell apart again. Right. You know? That would have been a phenomenal record. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. But it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. You have a bunch of songs. You, you have, I guess you have songs already in the bank, huh? Yeah. They'll never see the light of day? Probably not. Not the songs the band wrote, but the songs I wrote... I don't know. I might do something with it one day. What about the What about the future for Biohazard? I don't know. It's tough to say, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was saying before, Biohazard is a thing where we kind of like Scott Roberts joined Biohazard. Scott was my friend, and me and Scott had played together in a couple other things. And he was in Biohazard, obviously. Well, you guys are both on on that first Blood Clot record, right? Which is an incredible record. I, I love think. that record. Love Burn Babylon Burn. I love that record. Yeah. And, uh, I had a great time making that record. I'm sure. We were on the same page. And it's a slept-on record. I don't understand. That record is incredible. You know, it's so funny. It's like people never stop talking to me about that record. I love that. Because the whole thing is we never sold that record. You know, wow. we just put it out there. And I was so like, good. yo, let's just put it out there. Everybody's going to steal it anyway. Let's just put it out there. We're going to so release it. Fucking good. Let's just make it, finish it, and put it out there. Let's just, pe- let's just let people have it. Yeah. And John was like... Nigga, what are you crazy? We can't let people just have that shit. We, you know, John, trust me, just put it out there. It'll be fun. Yeah. And, and it's like to this day, people still talk to me about, yo, I love that blood record. So do I. I. I love that record. Yeah. I can listen to that record. And uh, that's when me and Scott really came together musically, you know, on that record. Yeah. We 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 really like we're like yeah we're on the same page, you know. And that kind of grew into the biohazard thing after Evan left, Evan quit. Uh, we didn't have anything. He quit or did he get thrown out? He quit. Okay. He quit. Okay. Yeah, I got a text. I remember I was at a show. 
somewhere, I don't remember where, but I got a text from our manager at the time saying, uh, by the way, Evan quit. And I was like, quit the band? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh. Well, that's a, well, that's a great way to find out. Now is a text weird. to a manager? Like, uh, yeah. It's not yeah. bad. Come on. Yeah, I never heard from Evan again after that. It's weird. But um, when, he, when he first quit, I kind of like took a few minutes to think about it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> You know, what you know, whatever. I mean, you know, what are we gonna do? Yeah. And then, like, ten minutes later, I was like, "All right, cool. Let's get somebody else to go." You know, like, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, really. You know, and then yeah. Scott, you know, just was there. Yeah. And he learned the songs, and he came with us to Europe, and he played bass, and he never played bass before, and he did great. Yeah. And he learned how to sing the shit, and he, he did great. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. Yeah. But um, I saw you guys a couple of times, two nights in a row, actually, with Scott. Mm-hmm. That's Staten Island show, and then the next night, yeah. this is hardcore. I thought Scott did a great job. Yeah, it was great. And I thought it was really coming together with Scott. But it didn't last, you know? It right. didn't last. Everything blew up again. And uh, now everybody's like, just get a new bass player. But for me, I need a guy from here, you know? I need a guy, like, who's somebody like... Who understands where they're from? Yeah, sure. You know, you can't just like no offense to any place else, but you can't just grab some LA guy and go, hey, you know, come do this biohazard. No, you know, no. I, I mean, maybe you can, but, but it's, it's not genuine. It's not. They don't. They, they, they don't understand. Yeah, I need somebody who was around, who knew us, who was part of the whole thing. You know, I just. I just gotta be familiar with somebody. Of course. Make that kind of music with them. Of course. You know? So, I don't know. We don't have another guy. Right. I mean, we, we talk. You know, I talked to Bobby last week. I saw Billy when Billy came through with his uh, solo project. Yeah. And, um, um, I mean, we talked, you know, about it. And, you know, the, the assumption is that we're gonna play again. But... I don't really know how we're going to play again. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, Billy's in L.A., Bobby's in Florida, I'm here. Yeah. Um, and we don't have a, a guy. Right. We don't have another guy. I mean, Scott was here, so it was me and Scott. We had a studio. We sure. We learn the songs and jam, and it was like being a band. Yeah. You know? Now it's just like nothing. Uh, I don't know. I don't Who know. knows? Who knows? I don't know what happens next. But it'd be nice. Yeah, it would be nice to play again and do it. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. But when, where, and who, no one knows. I don't know yet. Everybody asks me about it constantly. Of course. I'm sure you get that all the time. And now my kids, like, my kids are are really into music and bands, and they they go to shows with me, and they like a lot of good stuff, too. Like, you know, I just brought them to see Sycamore recently. I brought them to see... uh, I brought them to the to the uh, Black and Blue Bowl. They go to shows. They're like Mad Ball. They're like everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And they love Biohazard. And my son said to me because they haven't all seen Biohazard, you know. My son said to me today, he's like, Dad, you guys got to play together again because I don't even remember when I saw you guys. Last yeah, last oh, so you got to do it for the kids. Yeah, Biohazard's you know? for the children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just reminded me of any stigma right there. You got to do it for the kids. Vinny's yeah, the greatest ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit So who knows Who knows I guess we'll do but, something Yeah But It's gotta be right You know you gotta find the right The right Elements The, the right people You know Yeah 
What do we get? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how to play shit, so I'm out. <laughs> I'm not the place needed. Because if you do, just ask me. I can just have a check. That's it. Thank you. She's so happy. Yeah, she's all sorts of happy. This lady. It's funny. Cool, man. Well, I don't know. I was going to say, if you want to, I don't know. I mean, this, what are you going to do? Follow Biohazard on fucking Instagram and Facebook? You know what I mean? But do you want... You, you don't even go on your Instagram page. Me? Yeah. Not a lot. No. I mean, I look at it. I read it. You know, okay. I, I'm like the guy... I'm like a social media stalker. Oh, you know, is that what you like do? I, I read. But you don't comment like, I on like, like Twitter a- because there's a lot of new shit on there. I'm really right. into like... Uh, like my sports shit is on there. I look okay. at my sports shit. Uh-huh. Um, and Facebook, I keep up with my friends on Facebook. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Instagram, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which, so what is this? this is, is it, am I No, you're on. No, it's okay. You can be nosy. It's fine. <laughs> what are you? I've never seen you before. It's a microphone. That's an H6 Zoom recorder, and I'm recording a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. In layman's terms, it's just like an internet radio show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And this guy right here. He, he's, oh, you're interviewing him. He's a famous drummer. Are you really? Yeah. Like Neil, know. are you related to Neil Peart? No, I'm not. But he is no an relation. awesome drummer, he isn't he? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. She's excited. He's a great drummer. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good evening. You too. She just gave you a pound. They actually, if you're related to the Rush guy. Yeah. We're related. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> That's hysterical. She's funny. Yeah, she's definitely funny, man. But yeah, all the biohazard social media still exists. Yeah. You know? Alright. Cool. And, if you uh, want anyone fire to fire it back up. If you want to fo- people to follow you on Instagram? Nah. No. I don't care about that. Okay. <laughs> Alright, very good. So we want. So we weird. So it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Nice. I don't put nothing on Instagram. Isn't that? It's not interesting. No, the last one you put up there was like six months ago at least, and it's your toenail. No. The last picture I put on Instagram was probably when I went to see Fear in Asbury Park. I put a picture of me and Lee Ving and Spit Sticks up there. Yeah, but there's also a picture of your toenail next to a dead fish. Yeah, but I think I put that up there to fuck with Hoyer. Yes, you did. Hoyer always fucks with my toes. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really. All right, well, listen. You can follow me. Danny doesn't want nobody to follow him. <laughs> no, that's not true. I don't care. If you want to, no problem. No. What is it? Danny Biohazard? Danny Biohazard. Yeah, that's my Instagram. Yeah, Danny Biohazard Instagram. I think it is. Yeah, you see, you're back. <laughs> well, you can follow me on on Instagram. It's at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. And follow and. You yeah, know, Danny Biohazard. Yeah, Danny Biohazard. Yeah, yeah, that's the picture you're talking about, right? Right there, yes, one. yes. Yeah. It's, it's very bizarre. It makes me feel weird, that picture. It's an odd picture. It's hysterical. Nice. That was on the beach of Brazil. Yeah, it looks like some kind of a weird fish. So, yeah. You want to end this podcast with a Biohazard song? What's your favorite Biohazard song to play? You have to have at least one that's like, all right, I can do this all the time. Not one that you're like, oh, this again. <laughs> no, I never felt. I didn't really feel that way about any of them, really. Um, I remember. I remember right before you guys was you guys were setting up at the Electric Factory. This is hardcore. You guys were setting up, blah blah blah, and there was some older guy, all hammered, and he was yelling at the stage. And I was, I laughed, and you looked at me. I laughed because he was like, "Lion Coke, bitch, play li-. And you were like, "Oh yeah, what else you want me to play for you and just you?" And I caught the whole exchange. 
just laughing. I was like, this guy's getting abused. This is Yeah. Yeah. But we're not going to play that. When was no, that was not. Howard Beach. Great song. Love it. Great song. You want to you you end this on with Howard Beach? Howard Beach. Howard Beach off the yeah. self-titled. You got to be from New York to know the significance of Howard oh, Beach. Oh, I know the significance yeah. big time. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember that whole deal. Yeah. Newspapers, the whole incident. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> this was fun, man. I'm glad that we made this happen. This was easy to do, too. Even though we're doing it in a blizzard. Listen, listen. Yeah, but yeah, but I think I'm gonna go back to Brooklyn. It's gonna be it's gonna be insane. I gotta go to my mother's house and clean a car off for her. Go take care of your mom. That's what I gotta do. Danny, thank you, my brother. Pleasure. Thanks for the support. Uh, the snacks. Yeah, yeah, snacks. No big deal. Some soup, some quesadillas. Some soup, some French onion. We'll yeah, we're over here now. Yeah.